Hi, I'm Ruth Schwenk, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission and the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, today we are transitioning from our series called The Unstuck Spiritual Life, which was a good one, wasn't it, honey? I thought it was excellent. (laughs) We're a little biased, but I thought it was excellent. Right. But I think we got into some really good stuff. We did. I mean, I think one of the things that is so helpful in that series is just talking about how getting stuck is normal. And getting stuck is actually, it can be a really good thing, but it's always an invitation uh, to go deeper and to come to maybe a, a greater awareness of who God really is, what he's trying to do and how there's these different seasons or stages of the spiritual life and how each of those stages or seasons, God is doing something different. He's doing something right. unique. Yeah. And so I hope it was great encouragement to like your family. Yeah. And it's honestly, I know we're the ones doing it, but it always is encouraging to me to go, Oh, wait a minute. You know, when I feel like this, I'm normal. So, um, so if you haven't had a chance, be sure to listen to that series. But today we are transitioning to our Lent series, which we are calling Making Art. Um, last week, we had a bit of an intro to the series. Pat was talking with Father John Ricardo all about Lent. So you'll want to make sure to listen to that episode. I think it was it's extremely helpful. If you want to know why we even should celebrate Lent, don't you think, honey? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was just a great uh, introduction to the season that we're entering into. You know, tomorrow's Ash Wednesday. And so we're beginning, officially beginning the, the Lenten season, that 40-day intentional preparation period for uh, entering into Easter. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was just a great uh, conversation. And so if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to our conversation from last week. Yeah. So today we officially begin the Lenten season and we are talking about starting by talking about the seven deadly sins, which to me is like, okay, hold on. Just don't worry. This is going to make sense. The seven deadly sins, yeah, you know, they're, they're, de- they're called the deadly sins for a reason. <laughs> But this is going to make sense in a few minutes. We'll explain (laughs) why. So let's get going. This is going to be good. So like I mentioned, uh, we're officially beginning this Lenten season with this series all about the seven deadly sins. And we're going to talk more about that. Um, But let's talk a little bit about our history with Lent. Specifically, (laughs) honey, last year, what did you give up? Well, because we always give up something for Lent. Was that last year? Maybe every year you do this. Well, I I think it was two years ago was when I... Was when I gave up Chipotle. Yeah, Chipotle. it was because I remember it was right. It was right um, when uh, COVID hit. So I was oh, basically yeah. thinking I was going to give up Chipotle for forty days, which is a is a monumental, uh, you know, thing to surrender or to sacrifice for but you, what, for me. And so what happened was that then COVID hit and everything shut down. So what I thought was going to be like a forty day fast from the chicken burrito <laughs> ended up being like several months. I, it was it was a long long time. And so that was a that w- that was sort of the beginning of um, our experience with Lent. You yeah. know, we we didn't really well, um, we weren't always very good about celebrating Lent or observing it. And so that was sort of the first time we became more intentional. And so that's what I did. I think it was two years ago. Well, and it's not necessarily all about just giving something up it's like not. that. But it's not. we'll get into that. But anyways, back to the Chipotle for just a second. Okay. I thought we were done. No. Didn't it make you appreciate it more, though? Because you couldn't well, have yeah, it for absolutely. so long. Absolutely. And I think you've made up for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that would be I safe mean, to say. I mean, I don't even want to know how many chicken burritos you've no, had. No, that's not important. Yeah. So, yeah, well, let's just move on. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think one of the things that we talked about last week, Father John and I talked about 
was that that you know Lent is so much bigger than just exercising self control. I mean, there mm, there is that yes. element where we give up, we we fast, we pray. But this is so much, the the Lenten season is so much bigger than, you know, sacrificing coffee or a burrito or social media. One of the things that I really appreciated that he said last week was that, you know, if we don't emerge at Easter more like Jesus, then we've missed the point of Lent. Mm. And so we really want to to enter into this season in, in an intentional way, a prayerful way. Uh, with that that focus, that that yes, um, we're we're called um, to to sometimes sacrifice things, to give up things, but ultimately it's for the purpose so that we might emerge at Easter with a greater love for God and a love for for one another. Mm-hmm. We might look more and more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so um, it isn't about losing weight. It isn't about right. um, you know not drinking coffee or not having a burrito or not ultimately, eating sugar. It's, it's about yeah. <laughs> being um, conformed to the image of Christ. Right. It's not all about oh I'm going to feel better because I gave this up. There's right. A much, Lent much is not a diet meaning. plan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although it can be a little bit motivating. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, you yeah. know, motivating to like, oh, I'm not going to eat sugar. Like I, right. I need goals like that. And it just, anyways, I am just stating the obvious. It is kind of helpful in that. But I think when we understand the deeper meaning, it means so much more to us. And I, I remembered, I think just a few years ago, Uh, when I started actually like reading through Lenten devotionals and really um, taking in the understanding of Lent in a deeper way, it really, it just, it opens your eyes to so much that I just didn't even understand about Lent. Well, I think, you know, one of the reasons why we are are focusing on the seven deadly sins during the Lenten season is because, um, you know, historically, maybe just by way of review or just if this is helpful, you know, historically, the, the seven deadly sins are called the seven capital sins. And that, that word capital, you know, in uh, Latin, just it means head. And, and really what mm-hmm. that means is that these seven sins that we're going to be talking about over the next seven weeks really um, are the source of every other sin. And so when you think about a capital sin or, or these, you know, the word capital means head, it just means that every other sin that we wrestle with or commit really flow from these seven sins. Mm. And so the church throughout throughout history has really understood that there's something unique about these seven deadly sins. And every other sin that we commit or wrestle with really stems from these. And so you know, when you think about the Christian life, I mean, we're called to, to die to ourselves and to die to our, our sinful, selfish desire so that Christ might reign and rule in us. And, and that's really the focus during this Lenten season is just recognizing being an honest, being honest that there's an awful lot in us that still needs to be put to death. Mm. Uh, there's an awful lot in us that, that um, needs to die. There, there's a lot more surrendering mm-hmm. that needs to happen in our life. And so as we come to know Christ and we're having his life formed in us, um, we, we really want to intentionally look at, at each of these seven deadly sins over the next seven weeks as a way of saying, yeah, we want to die to these deadly sins but ultimately so that Christ might reign and rule in us. We might um, enjoy the life that he has for us. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the goal is that we might love God and and love other people. And, you know, I I think that it has been said that that really what happens in the spiritual life as we're walking in holiness, as we're walking in righteousness or virtue, um, that allows us to love God and to love others as we should. And so sin robs us. We're not Mm -hmm. free to love God fully. And we're not free to love others deeply while we're enslaved to sin. Mm. And so, for example, if I'm a person that's full of pride or a person that's full of lust or greed, like those things, um, they, they not only enslave me, but they prevent me from really loving God 
the way that I should. And they prevent me from loving those around me the way that I should. And so um, as we're talking about these seven deadly sins, the goal is that we might be set free from sin mm. so that we might live for God and love God and love other people as we were created to. Mm. And sin robs us of that. You yeah. know, this isn't about us. Um, just sort of not breaking certain uh, sins on, on a sheet of paper. This is about the life that God wants to give us. This is about a life that God created us for. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it's about living a life where, where we're um, loving God and loving others um, in the way that God wants mm-hmm. us to, the way he created us to. And, and sin always robs us of that. Mm, and so we want to put to death all of these sins that really steal us, uh, steal the life that God has for mm-hmm. us. And so um, that that's really why we're, we're doing this series called Making Art, because mm-hmm. that's a beautiful life to live. Right. And I, you know, I'm just thinking of the listener right now. And as you're listening, we want to invite you on this seven week journey. I mean, how rich is that to every week be able to focus on a certain sin that, you know, like you explained is, is seen as, as the capital sin or head sin that, that leads to other sins. And I think, um, you know, we just love for you to join us for these seven weeks to really dive into this and, and take this Lenten season to really ask God to examine our hearts in these different, in these different seven deadly sins. And like you said, be set free. I love that. Yeah. You know, one of the, the verses that, that comes to my mind is first Peter chapter two, verse 11. And uh, there Peter is saying, you know, he says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to obtain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Mm. And one of the things that's always stuck out to me about that verse is that, you know, we can stop fighting sin, but sin doesn't stop fighting us. Oh, I love and, that. And Peter's really saying that, that listen, your, your sin, uh, your selfish desires, your sinful desires, mm. they're waging a war uh, against your soul. And, and again, um, we can stop fighting that or become indifferent to that or apathetic to that. Um, but, but it's a dangerous, dangerous thing for our soul. Mm. And so we really, like you said, as we enter into the Lenten season, um, we really want to focus on, uh, how by the grace of God, through the power of his spirit, uh, he wants to set us free. He wants to deliver us so that we might experience more and more of the life that he has for us. And again, the ultimate goal there is we might love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. We might love one another. Um, and so that that's the goal. Um, and so last year, I think we did this series. We called it Dying to Live. Um, that's the paradox, right, in the New right. Testament, yeah. that we have to die in order to live. Mm-hmm. And so we want to die to these sins that wage war against us mm-hmm. so we might live that abundant life that Jesus promised uh, that he wants to give us. Great. That's, I mean, seriously, I, I was thinking, how many times did I just, as you were talking, keep saying, oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I guess I love that. I guess, um, yeah. yeah wow. I'm, but it, it's very, very powerful <laughs> to think. I, I guess I had never heard um, that about the seven deadly sins being those capital and head sins. And that that's really eye-opening. And it to me, I just think, wow, if for seven weeks, I really focused each week on one of those seven deadly sins, like where will I be at the end of those seven weeks? Well, I think it's important and we'll, we'll uh, make mention of this, that, that every one of those seven deadly sins has a corresponding virtue. And so we might say mm. that th- those seven deadly sins are sometimes called the seven vices, um, but they correspond to seven virtues. And so, for example, today um, we're going to talk about the, the first deadly sin of pride, mm. um, but the corresponding virtue is human humility. And so, mm. um, and so there's a, a negative way of looking at these, but then there's also a positive way. And so, um, God, you know, wants us to put to death these deadly sins, but, 
that's not enough. He also then wants us to clothe ourselves with virtue mm-hmm. uh, or holiness or righteousness. And so we're going to spend the majority of our time in the next seven weeks talking about the vice. Um, but we will in each episode also mention the virtue that, mm-hmm. that uh, corresponds to uh, that particular deadly sin that we're talking about. And so today we're talking about that first deadly sin, the sin of pride. And so, um, boy, I don't know if there's anybody listening that struggles with that. No. Um, so <laughs> maybe we just pass and go on to the next one. Right. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll start here with pride, but I do think it is important to mention that virtue, that corresponding virtue. I don't know, that's helpful for me just to think about that, to know, like, as we're talking about the deadly sin, knowing um, what the the virtue is that corresponds with it gives me a broader picture and understanding of it. So pride is the vice or the sin that we're talking about, and uh, the virtue is humility. Yep, you got it. So why don't we begin by just looking at, um, you know, Genesis chapter 3. And if you want to read those first seven verses, I mean, this is really, um, you know, of course, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 2 is the story of of creation. And, um, and then Genesis three is really the story of, of the fall and that first man, that first woman, Adam and Eve choosing to live life on their own terms. And it's really a, a great picture, not a great picture, but yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's a yeah. picture of, of human pride and how their story mm-hmm. really is our story. And so if you want to maybe yeah. just read those yeah, first read seven mm-hmm. verses and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, it says now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. The Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Yes. I mean, so th- this is, again, you know, sort of the, the, the beginning of where we see human pride. I mean, th- their story is really mm-hmm. our story. Mm-hmm. And I think what you see in Adam and Eve's story, I mean, in this this biblical example is that Adam and Eve, I mean, they wanted to be like God, but without God. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they wanted um, to do life on their own terms. They didn't want to depend on God. Um, and so you see so much of our story in their yeah. story. Well, I just think, you know, as, as I'm reading through that, I'm thinking you feel frustrated with them. Like, why are you doing this? He said, that's like what he said. Exactly. Do not do that. And you are doing that. And then, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I guess I do the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how can I be so frustrated with them? I, as a human being do the same thing thing. You know, God says no, and I say yes. And so I think, yeah. like you said, we can see ourselves in this story. Yeah, I think it was Thomas Aquinas who said that pride is in, in an inordinate desire for one's uh, own uh, excellence. Boy, I really butchered that, didn't I? Um, <laughs> in an in inordinate desire for one's own excellence. Um, I think just an easy way of thinking about pride is just loving ourselves more than we love God and love someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when we want to be at the center um, of the world or the center of a relationship. We want to be right or seen as right. (laughs) And it really, um, has us at at the center of the universe and not God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, I'm trying not to think of 
examples, real life examples here, <laughs> honey. But I will just share that like in the middle of the night when I wake, when you wake me up <laughs> and I feel frustrated and I, I, you know what I mean? I mean, that happens. Uh, I, I, I have no idea what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> because I this am is the, all new to me. Right. I am like the lightest sleeper and you wake me up and you do know this, honey. <laughs> and I feel that that's one of my, like to me, that's prideful. Like, oh, here I am. Instead of thinking, oh, I'm sorry, you're sleeping horribly. I'm over here upset that you woke me up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, that's a silly example, but we probably all can think of the times where we're getting in a fight with our spouse or there's and it a lot of times we just have to step away and we realize, oh boy, if I just had a little bit of humility in that, you know, how this could go differently. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there are probably so many different examples of how we see pride, you know, just impact every area of our, mm-hmm. of our everyday life. You know, whether it's in a marriage or in family, um, whether it's in the workplace or in friendships. I mean, I, I think we, we all have that tendency to to really put our, um, you know, our wishes and our desires and our plans mm-hmm. um, right at the center. And, and we have a real struggle um, sometimes um, stepping into the shoes of, of somebody else or seeing a situation or a conversation um, from somebody else's perspective. Mm-hmm. And so you just think about a relationship where there's conflict. You know, so many times, you know, we get into a, um, you know, a conversation with somebody, whether there's, whether, you know, there's tension or there's conflict and all we're thinking about doing is winning that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to be right. And of course that is birthed out of pride. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of entering into that relationship, that conversation where there's conflict and going, you know what, I, motivated out of love, I, I want to understand that person. I want to see where they're coming from. I want to serve them. Um, I want to, I want to save the relationship. I want to restore the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that would be mm-hmm. the humble way of approaching mm-hmm. a relationship, but oftentimes, you know, a relationship where there's conflict, we, we want to win or we want to be, we want to be right. We want people to mm-hmm. see it our way. Um, and there's so many different, just everyday examples of, of how pride can be so toxic. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking of like, can, when you want to control a situation. So are all these things that we're talking about, I just want to clarify, are these all like what you would consider under that overarching deadly sin of pride? Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So like when we want to control or I'll just speak for myself when I, when I want to control a situation, it's, it's really coming from a place of pride, right? Because I'll tell you what there, when you want to, when you're, feeling like you need to be in control and you're trying to control something, um, instead of just surrendering, um, it feels a lot better and freeing, honestly, to walk in humility in that and give up control. And so there's a reason for that because it's sinful to be controlling. And that comes from a place of pride. I think, you know, as you're talking about that, I mean, the idea of, of wanting to control something, you know, really what you're saying, um, is that, you know, better, Right. Than somebody else or, mm-hmm. you know, better than God. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, our our pride has a way of saying, well, if I was running the universe, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have let that happen mm-hmm. um, or I would do it this way. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, our desire to control things really is, um, you know, comes from a place of thinking we know what's best. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about uh, the, the area of suffering or tragedy mm-hmm. or trials in life. Uh, I think that's what makes um, suffering and trials so difficult is because, it takes humility to be able to say, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't like what you're doing. I don't mm. see the good in it and still trust God in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we, we struggle with pride, even, even in our trials, even in our suffering, cause we wouldn't choose it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it takes great humility and surrender to say, okay, God, 
I, I don't like this. I don't understand it. I don't see the good that's going to come out of it. Um, and so that can oftentimes get somebody into real trouble as they're walking through a difficult season where there is great loss, um, where something devastating happens. Um, and so it, it can be real challenging. It's, it's an act of God's grace for us to be able to walk in humility mm-hmm. and surrender. But yeah, control mm-hmm. um, certainly um, comes from a place of pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. These, you know, pride can be manifested in our life in all different ways. And sometimes we don't even recognize it. And all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. Um, so let's let's switch here and talk a little bit about the virtue then of humility, which obviously goes along with um, the vice of pride. So what do we how do we grow in this area? Well, obviously asking forgiveness, um, surrendering when we are um, drawn to pride and when we have been uh being prideful, whether it's in controlling, whatever, all the different areas we just talked about, and there's certainly many more. Um, how do we grow in humility and and really surrender our pride to the Lord? Yeah, I love the the passage in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, which is this great example, this contrast between the sinner and a Pharisee. It says, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Um, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Um, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mm. Of course, this is a a parable that Jesus is telling, a story that Jesus is telling about the difference between those who walk in pride and those who walk in humility. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the heart of it, Jesus is saying, you can't come into the kingdom of God as a proud person, right? I mean, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, That the way into the kingdom, the way into a right relationship with God um, is by having a, a contrite heart, a, mm-hmm. a humble heart, being mm-hmm. poor in spirit. And um, I, one of the things that, that sticks out to me from this passage is is really the, the warning, if you will, that those who are full of pride, God will humble. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes when we think about um, being a humble person versus being a proud person, there's a lot of things we can do. And we'll mention some of those things, you know, ways that we can clothe ourselves in humility but I think the reality is a lot of times it's just life that humbles us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God, you know, he says two things. He says either I'll humble you or you can humble yourself. And there are times where we humble ourselves, you know, we repent and um, we, we develop or cultivate that virtue of humility uh, with, with the Lord's help. But there's also times where God, I think, humbles us um, or, you know, living in a fallen world, a sinful world. Um, we walk through difficult times and we're, we're just humbled by the reality of mm-hmm. living in a fallen world. And so oftentimes the way God cultivates humility in us is by living in a broken world and we experience life and life is hard mm-hmm. and we realize we're not as strong as we think we are. We're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as invincible as we think we are. Mm-hmm. And so just our own fallenness or living in a fallen world has a way of humbling us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, again, this this parable, this reminder that those that are justified by God, those who are declared righteous and who are becoming righteous are those who mm-hmm. are who are humble. And the, the Pharisee in this parable is really um, saying, wow, look at me. Look at how great I am. Look at how righteous I am. And the, the tax collector is 
clearly the the humble person. Well, so. I, th- and that's what's interesting me to me about this parable is I can't help but look at that Pharisee who says, God, I think this is what he says. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And I think, oh, gosh, that sounds so like prideful because it is, you know, and how and, and then I'm like, again, how many times do I think, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like that or I'm not. Yeah, you, you know, see, I mean, again, he's clearly is... comparing himself to other people right? Right. And, and exalting himself. Right. Um, look at how much better I am than than that person. Well, I think one of the things that's interesting about comparison in particular, and we'll come back to this when we talk about the the deadly sin of envy, but we oftentimes compare ourselves to those that are most like us. Mm-hmm. And so you think mm-hmm. about moms, they compare themselves to other moms or pastors, they compare mm-hmm. themselves to other pastors. Um, you know, teens compare themselves to other teens, you know, guys that are business owners compare themselves to other guys that are business owners. Um, and so we oftentimes compare ourselves to those that, that we are similar to, but mm-hmm. you know, in this parable, um, you're right. He, he's comparing himself and even exalting himself. Um, and, really making a case for why he's so much better yeah. uh, than, than those around and, him. And how easy it is. I, I guess the, what I, when I read that, I think, wow, it's really easy just to do that. I mean, individually as human beings, it's easy to, to think, oh, well, I'm not like that. Yeah. Or I'm, and it's well, just it, not true. I mean, that, that comes from a place of pride. And it, it shows just how hungry and broken our hearts are. Mm, um, we, yeah. it, at the deepest level, at the core of our being, we desire to be loved and we desire yeah. to be known. We desire to be accepted. And so much of pride is, is really um, that bleeding hole in our heart mm. that is trying to fill an empty place. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we so desperately want to be, um, to be loved and to be mm-hmm. known. And mm-hmm. so the prideful person is doing everything they possibly can to prove to those around them that they're lovable. Mm. Um, and so if your um, source of worth and value and love is rooted mm-hmm. in how much money you make or uh, how your body looks or the neighborhood you live in, um, I mean, that's just, a, that's a moving target. Yeah. Um, and people spend their entire lifetime trying to find their worth and their value in those external things. And I think, it, again, it, it's evidence that, that we really do have that bleeding heart. And at the core of who we are, we want so badly to be to be known and to be loved. And the humble person comes to grip. They, they know exactly who they are um, and they know whose they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know that they're a sinner, but they also know that they're loved by God. And um, that, of course, is rooted in the, in the mm-hmm. gospel, the good news that Christ died for them um, and that there is security in that relationship And nothing can take that away. Yeah. And it it reminds me of my life verse, which when I and I'm sure I've shared this on the podcast before. But when I was in high school, my youth pastor, I hadn't been I was a brand new Christian. I hadn't really been going to church that much. And he had sent home a Bible verse on a piece of paper for me. John 330. He must become greater. I must become less. And everything changed for me when I read that Bible verse. The light bulb went on and I was like, this life is not about me and what I want. And I think that this, that fits so well into this whole um, deadly sin of pride, because I'll tell you what, that wasn't like I had it all figured out then. I have come back to that verse over and over and over again in my life. I'm so thankful that he gave it to me at the beginning of my journey as a Christian, because I have to keep reminding myself, he must become greater. I must become less. When it goes back to what we were saying at the very beginning, we're going to close with a couple of practical things we can do, but it goes back to what we were saying at the very beginning, 
thing where um, really sin robs us of being able to to love God and to love others as we should. And so if mm-hmm. I'm a person that struggles with pride and I'm always right and my perspective is always the, the better one, then I can't really love my spouse. I, I can't mm-hmm. love my kids. I can't love my coworkers the way that God intended. Um, and so pride really robs us of, again, the the joy that comes with loving God and loving others as we should. And so mm-hmm. let's just take a couple minutes to, to hit on some practical things we, we can do to really root out the sin of pride. Mm-hmm. The first one we've talked about, and that's the practice of self-examination. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on that because we've, we've talked about that before, but just that daily practice, usually at the end of the day, just looking back and reviewing mm-hmm. uh, the conversations, the experiences we had, and then you know really reflecting upon those areas where we fell short, where we sinned, where we um, were defensive, where we were prideful, whatever it was, and then repenting of that. And then asking God to to give us the grace um, mm-hmm. the next day uh, mm-hmm. to walk in holiness, to walk in righteousness. And so I think self-examination is such an important spiritual discipline to implement in our life, especially during the Lenten season. Well, and it's it's simple. I mean, it's it's laying down at night and just just even with a little pad of paper, if you wanted yeah. to take a few notes, whatever. But it's so simple. It's just remembering to do it. You can put a reminder on your phone um, and just think of how far if you started that today and went through the Lenten season, how far you would be, you know, at the end of this these seven weeks. Yeah. I think memorizing scripture on humility can be really helpful. And so just going through a variety of passages of scripture to memorize those, to reflect mm-hmm. upon those. And again, just asking God to to take those um, truths of his word and really make them a part of who we are. And then um, one of my favorite, we're going to link to this in the show notes, but it's called the prayer of the litany. And it is a prayer that I think dates back to maybe the early 1900s. And it is an amazing prayer. And so if you're listening, you've got to go to the show notes and and take a look at that. Um, And that would be a great prayer Mm. to pray throughout the Lenten season. Mm, That's so good. And lastly, I do want to share another, this is this can be a little difficult, but this is when you're actually asking for counsel and feedback from others. And ouch, you know, sometimes that's I've hard. I've done that once. <laughs> I'm still recovering. That was 15 years ago. No. <laughs> no, but I mean, or somebody that obviously you want it to be a trusted friend or a counselor even where you're getting a different perspective, because I think sometimes we get caught in our own head and, um, you know, we need to see, we need to see the reality from somebody else. So I think that's really helpful as well. So practice of self-examination, the counsel and feedback from others, memorizing scripture, and then lastly, that litany of humility, that prayer. And like Pat said, we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes. Well, this has been so so good so our first deadly sin we talked about is pride and that that's the vice and then our virtue for that is humility we are so so grateful you joined us um we hope you're already enjoying this new series making art um as we mentioned we'll link the litany of humility in case you want to use that you can use that actually this whole lenten season be sure to follow us on instagram at patrick w schwenk and at ruth schwenk or on facebook Everything we talked about, including that prayer that we keep mentioning, will be at rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. We welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. We are so grateful to be on this journey with you. We'll chat soon, and we hope you have the best week.